Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the black effect presents family therapy and i'm your host elliot connie Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Unbreakable with Jay Glaser, a mental health podcast, helping you out of the gray and into the blue. Now, here's Jay Glaser. Welcome into Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glaser. And just a little reminder here for everybody, my book, Unbreakable, How I Turn My Depression, Anxiety, and Motivation You Can Too, comes out in paper book on April one. What we're trying to do here for mental health is give it words. Let us all have this conversation. The more we can give it words, the more we can talk about it. Those of us with mental health issues or just battling the gray or uh, just trying to tan the roommates in our head, we don't feel like we're in the minority anymore. We feel like we're in the majority, which I think we are. And it spans, you know, everywhere you could possibly go in this world. But it's also what made me successful. Overcoming these mental health issues is what made me where I am now, brought me where I am. It's also introduced me to some of the coolest people in the world. And one of those coolest people in the world is our guest this week. Uh, and it's just, it's incredible the realm that this podcast dives into from sports to acting to television hosts to cooking hosts like Guy Fieri to musicians. But we haven't had a designer on yet. We haven't had a, an actual gangster here in the fashion world come on with me yet. With that, I'm going to bring in a good friend of mine from a long time ago. We've been friends for ages from New York City. But now we have something else we bond with, which is mental health. And that is Kenneth Cole. How are you, brother? Great, Jay. So if you do get a successful designer on the show someday, let me know. Is that, uh, yeah, I kind of fucked that one up, didn't I? <laughs> I, I love doing this, by the way. And I even did my homework. I read, I read all about uh, your journey and I felt more, I'm not sure that more or less broken having read it, but I'm certainly more impressed. And I feel even, I feel your fucked upness even more than I could have imagined. But thank well, you. I appreciate that. Well, but you saying you feel more broken now, it's not exactly a good plug for the book. <laughs> no, no, but you know what? Hey, read a break, but you'll feel more fucked up. <laughs> no, no, but it makes you kind of look in the mirror a little bit, which is good. I mean, it's kind of what I guess what you wanted to make happen. So, um, 
but it's it's extraordinary and we've had a lot in common and yeah. uh, and, and this just kind of brings us even that much closer together which is great I mean, but you you had texted me too that you were learning more about yourself what did you learn about yourself after reading the book you know i learned that you made a good effort in kind of creating appropriate context that we all have these struggles but at the end of the day you know we all also have a path through it and to the degree you can build a network and support you know you're that much stronger for it and one plus one equals more than two always yeah. and, and and i've often said that you know alone you can go fast together you go far and um building that community is critical and i think that's what you're doing so well and gotcha. that's what, that's what i'm trying to do as well with my mental health coalition which we're yeah which I definitely want to dive into it. You know, it's, it's interesting. All this, I met you through Michael Strand, like 95 or something along those lines. And we spent time at his 50th birthday party. My book, I think it's, she was just coming out, but I didn't tell him uh, about my issues until I think two weeks before that. That's the first time I ever told him, like the first time I ever decided I can't go out to dinner with you because the beast got out of the box. And I just had a horrible panic attack. And he's like, why have you never told me? And I, Man, I don't know. With you, I just felt shame. I, I don't know why. I don't make the, make up the rules of this. And his response to me was, yeah, but I could have been there for you for all those years. And that's this team that you're talking about. And, you know, that for me now, like for 30 years, I hit it. Now when I'm having a horrible day, I know to reach out. I know what his reaction is going to be. And that's, you know, the beautiful thing of us talking about this. Yeah, no, Michael's been great. He's been a good, great friend to me also. Yeah. In fact, when we launched the Mental Health Coalition, I did it on his show. And we had several events that I was uh, shamelessly imposed ourselves upon him. <laughs> and he never, he never says no. He's just been great. Anyway, he's always there to do the right thing. He really is. So, all right. So now here's what I want to dive into before I get the mental health coalition, because a lot of people don't know this about Kenneth. He does an awful lot on this front. He is, he's a leader in what we're all trying to do here because we are really behind with mental health. We're so far behind in, in how we're attacking this now. And, Again, people still are for finding the words to try and open up. But I like to call this mental health and a mental wealth podcast. And I want to talk about your journey to where you got to. Cause it, it, for any of us who are successful, it's not rosy. It's not a rosy road to get there. There's no get rich quick scheme. We all kind of struggle through it to get to where we are. So give us, you know, our, our listeners what your kind of moment was and, and how you had to struggle through to, to get to where you are. Yeah. I, well, first of all, I struggle with the term success, but. I think that's a, it's kind of a, a very dangerous concept, but, um, and it's very relative and, and it's how you see yourself today is how they see you tomorrow. And it's a relationship often to other people. I'm doing great. And then all of a sudden I, um, I see people who maybe, uh, to have a different lens through which to, right. uh, to look and then maybe I have a whole different sense of things. But in any case, so that is said, it's been an extraordinary journey for me. I'm in business for 40 years. Actually, what I'd like to say is that. It sounds younger and cooler is that this is our 20th anniversary of our 20th anniversary. And, <laughs> but it's an, it's been an extraordinary journey. And I set out to try to figure out how to kind of create something that people didn't have and that people could use and that how to add something of substance meaning to people, to people's lives. And at the same time, make it meaningful while we did it only because of the way we did it. And, and I had a lot of a bunch of associates early on and we were kind of a little scrappy and we were trying to figure out how to kind of carve our place in a very competitive um, business and, and industry. And, and and I knew that first of all, was, no was shoes, your, was shoes your first thing? It was just shoes. Okay. Women, women's shoes. And women's shoes. And but so, and I realized that you can't do this shit 40 hours a week. And right. at the end of the day, you know, you may, it's all about compromise, life compromises, because at the end of the day, you can't only work. You need to have a personal life. 
And, um, and you have to find a balance. And at the end of the day, it's so hard to find that balance. And that's been one of my struggles because I tend to work hard and work. And then, and if I turn it off sometimes, you know, I, it, I, I don't turn it back on as quickly, maybe. So what is that right balance? And it's so rare. And I find people who, who struggle with that because maybe everything's working for them professionally, but personally, they're, it's just not, not that you've ever had that issue. And then sometimes, it's working personally, but the professional part isn't aligned. So that's the struggle. Okay, that's the struggle right. that I struggle that I deal with, and a lot of people I know probably deal with it. And um, and so my business is finding a balance. So I try to address, and I believe it's not just what's on people's bodies, but what's on their mind. And I think that you almost have to know what's on their mind in order to be able to address what's on their bodies. And 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 how to, and it, and at the end of the day, it couldn't be just what they stand in. It needed to be what they stood for. So mm-hmm. and how do you? balance that so and and i think they become ultimately interdependent because absent of knowing you know where they are um, mentally or where they're inside it's hard to kind of assess what they are looking for other than that so it's been a uh an extraordinary journey and i started in shoes and i started um beginning of the business is actually an interesting story but i'm gonna save that later on and then in order to relate to people early on i started working on an hiv initiative because that was that was a struggle that was pervasive in our industry and it wasn't affecting me as much as it was so many other people around me. So, and I started doing some marketing branding and talking about the stigma around HIV because Mm. as bad as it was, the biggest problem was, and I believe today more people died of the stigma of AIDS than from AIDS itself because they couldn't talk about it and they were Mm. reluctant to deal with it. And they would rather die from the disease rather than openly accept treatment and be open to um, resources. And so many people, unfortunately, were not and did lose their life. So I did that for a long time. I was chairman of AMFAR for 14 years, and we had a very profound difference in, uh, in millions of people's lives. I know that. And we changed the way research was done. We changed the way people were able to talk about HIV, and treat HIV, and a little bit of HIV. And then about, I don't know, a few, four years ago, I kind of stepped back from that for mm-hmm. a whole myriad of reasons. And then my kids kind of were fascinated and obsessed with the, with mental health, mental right. wellness. And so I somehow refocused a lot of my resources there and we set up an initiative. My, my daughter, Amanda actually was working with us in, in, in our HR department and we set up a uh, program with NAMI on uh, mental health awareness within right. the organization. And I felt it started to, it was changing the culture of the business and of the company. And I said to them, they wanted me to somehow work on a perception campaign. And, and I was reluctant to do it because this, I, this is so big. And I, and I've come to realize you said that many of us have uh, mental health struggles. I don't, and you know, the WHO says it's one in four. I say it's, it's, it's I've four. That. It, it's four and four. Absolutely. I say it's, it's Absolutely. Yeah. Because if, it, if it isn't you, it's somebody you love, somebody in the family, yeah. in, the, in the community, the workplace. And if you didn't have it before COVID, you definitely have right. it now. And, and social media is. Terrible. It makes you think your life sucks because you're comparing yourself to everybody else's filtered fraction of a second, or you're seeing bullying online. We all, we're all going through something or like it's affecting somebody we know. I agree. It's four out of four. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, 
and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so we're all struggling with it. So then I said, this is such a big undertaking. And then the problem is, is that two-thirds of those who struggle with it do so in the proverbial shadows because there isn't a mechanism to talk about it that isn't stigmatized and that isn't diminishing. You know, this is a self-fulfilling prophecy unless you have a mechanism to talk about it. So the goal was... Can we rebrand, come, come up with a new narrative, empower people with the tools to talk about their well-being? Massive undertaking, probably absurdly ambitious. And this is the and, Mental Health Coalition, and, right? So then we, I formed the Mental Health Coalition <laughs> and with a few friends. And then Nami says... I, 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 well, we're going to dive into it now, but I'm also... You deflected my other question about the early days years, because I'm going to go back to it. I'm not going to oh, let you off back, the hook. Okay. All right, but, but let's get into right now, the Mental Health Coalition. Absolutely, because I think it's amazing. All right, so, so we bring together all the mental health service providers in the country, and we said to every one of them, would you support us in this effort to address stigma and shine a light on your great work, create a shared platform, and every one of them said we're in. So now all of a sudden we've got the largest coalition of service providers, mental health service providers in the country, maybe arguably everywhere. And now we're collect- connecting these to resources and working with all the tech companies, and we're making a profound difference in people's lives and giving people, creating resource, attaching people to resources because tech, as much as we know, these tech companies have created issues in many ways. They've been the most reliable and available resource for so many people, especially during quarantine. Mm-hmm. And you were able to find community, you were able to connect with people you couldn't have otherwise. So, you know, and these people with the best of intentions, you know, they're struggling and they know they're part of the problem and they also want to be part of the solution. So, and is, is it for everybody? Does it help everybody? Like how, do, how do people get help by the Mental Health Coalition? You can log on and we can connect you to resources. You can go to our website and go to our Instagram page. You can go to, um, and you can see some of the tools that are available to people. Right. So this is going to grow exponentially as we, and, you know, we can talk a little bit about that as we go forward. And it's been a, um, been an interesting journey. So, and so, but business is what empowers, enables, and supports everything right. I do. I, I love the fashion business. And- same, same with me with football. Absolutely. It opens up these doors and allows me to talk about this to a broader audience. Absolutely. Right. And I do think that fashion business has given me a platform too. And as mm-hmm. to your point, football has given you that. 
And also fashion, it's the perception business. I mean, I feel like I'm in the perception business and I'm addressing, you know, kind of what's on your mind. I'm hopefully empowering it, maybe guiding it or inspiring it. And that is what I've come to realize is, is, is a powerful tool that's so much bigger than fashion. And so the reason I've, I've been able to bring all these people together is because I'm not a threat to any of them. I'm not in the public health business. I'm not a, a uh, psychiatrist. I'm not a doctor. But I, I have the ability and I'm offering people a, re- a platform where I can promote and elevate and shine a light on all that great work. So, and then, and then create by nature of aggregating all this great content and individuals. And we create something so much bigger than it is independently. So, um, it's been very rewarding and I'm still not telling you about my shoe business, my fashion business. <laughs> I'm going to get there in a sec because I want to tell you a little more here, but I can see your passion for it also. First of all, this is you being of service. And when you read Unbreakable, right? It's one of my pillars of. Being of service helps us through the gray, but you find different ways to be of service, you know, through the years. This one you seem to have a, a great passion for as well. Why did that come from your own issues or did it just come from saying, man, I'm seeing how much the world is starting to struggle and I know I can make a difference here or both? You know, it's when we started doing this, first we launched actually Katie. Uh, my other daughter launched it uh, and with us together a platform, how are you, uh, which asks the most asked question everywhere in the world, every day of the week in every language, and the one most rarely ever answered, which is how are you really? And challenging and inviting people to engage with that. And that was the one I did with, um, I, actually with uh, Kendall Jenner on Michael's show when we launched the uh, initiative, the challenge. And 200 million people engaged with it the first weekend. Wow. And then we did another campaign with Meta, a year or so later, inviting people to do these lives, one-to-ones. And we had every, we called it Every Day in May. And I did work with Oprah and her production team. And we had hundreds of millions of people engaged. And and we ho- hopefully, and many athletes, by the way, because guys struggle with this so much more than women do. It's so much harder for us to be vulnerable, which is so critical. And at the same time, empathetic. So this process kind of inspires, encourages, and promotes and rewards that that which was the and, and michael kicked that off i think i don't know right I spoke with michael on it i don't remember who i spoke with but michael was that was part of it. so we've used the, the platform to the degree that we can to give voice to the subject so as i was saying guys struggle and well, where, where did your passion come from is it your own struggle or is it just so seeing I, everybody around you oh so as we're doing this so then someone said so what is your mental health story and I said i you know i don't know i have to and i all of a sudden i started thinking about it and i realized that you know, I, I've been in a perpetual fog for several years now. I mean, certainly before COVID and um, but since COVID. And then I realized that there's all these struggles independently that, you know, and uh, that I have and I manifest and I contextualize and I deal with them. And I just learned how to deal with them. We all do that in our, in our own way. And, uh, and sometimes I, you know, I just work harder and I, Right. Dug too much into this and I'm not mentally present enough for other places where I wish I could be and should be. And, uh, but the more present and aware I am of myself, the more I'm aware of everybody around me and I'm a better employer, friend, parent, which is what I so desperately always want to be. And we, we never quite get there and we never quite find that ultimate balance, but we're always working on it. Yeah. Because look, the, the secret to go back to that word success, but I guess business success is outworking the world, not by a little, by a lot. And there's a lot of things that end up getting sacrificed. And on you see me, right? We've been out and I'm just on that phone looking down and not present with anybody and kind of what it takes to, to be an insider, to, to outwork the world. And, and 
I think same for you also. It's what it takes is just outworking the world by, you know, not by two hours, but by a ton. And that's sacrifice. Yeah. So we have to commit ourselves wholeheartedly. And so how do you do that? And what I've done that with my business anyway, is I've made purpose part of the business model. So, and I I do, I do think they need, you know, people used to say to me, well, you know, you're running a public company and is that appropriate to be allocating, you know, public company resources to social good? And, and my answer was always that not only are those efforts not independent, I believe they're interdependent and they are, they are mutually reliant upon each other and that the proverbial hand that feeds each other and that what I've always done. And I was that way before I went public and I've been that way ever since I went public. And I, and I think every company gets there. Every company in America gets there. If not, if their balance sheet, if their hearts don't get them there, the balance sheet does. And hopefully it's the former, but we all get there because it's the right place to be. And I don't think it's the destination. I think it's the journey and it makes the destination yeah. that much more rewarding if we do it right. Yeah. I love that. I was like, appreciate the toil of the climb. Like, I never knew I'd be Jay Glazer on the NFL and Fox. So early on when I was making 9,400 bucks a year for those 11 years, those first 11 years I was doing it, making 9,400 bucks a year with Michael driving me back to New York City every day from Giant Stadium because I couldn't afford bus and subway fare. You know, that's, it's different here between the years during that time. It was, it's interesting also during that time, I, I try and figure out whether I'm happier now, now that I've quote unquote made it or whether I was happier then when I didn't have anything to lose. That's a good question. After 40 years, I'm very quick to tell people that I feel in that period of time, we've built an extraordinary foundation from which we can now build a business and and even better business. And and if I'm going to spend a lot of time reflecting, looking in the mirror, it's like driving a car. I'm going to get thrown off by that first bump in the road. But if you, you just got to stay focused on on that's great advice. So, and, and I don't, I'm not sure you ever get there. And again, maybe to that point, you know, I believe that my, all my years of doing this shit, that I have earned a right to be considered, but every day I have to earn the right to be chosen. So, and that is no easy task, but that's what makes the fashion business so energizing and rewarding. And you can never take it for granted. And if you do, I'm likely to be a broadcaster for the NFL. Uh, <laughs> I'll be looking for, uh, to be your assistant. I don't pay so, enough. I told you my deal and I'm going back to your thing. All right. Of my 9,400 bucks a year and just getting rejected for 11 years. Give me the early days of trying to make Kenneth a brand of the grind, of your grind. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. 
I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I've always been very resourceful, and I've always believed that. You know, people said to me, you know, I left what I was doing. I was working with my father in a small shoe factory in Brooklyn. And people say, well, what would you have done if it didn't work? And I said to them, that was never an option. I, I just never contemplated that. I just knew it would work. But what I don't tell people is I didn't know what it was. And I knew I would figure out every day in that one day it may change from the day before the next. And I was pivoting before that was a popular thing to do, especially in the fashion business. So you just don't know what tomorrow has in store. And, and again, as I said before, what's fashionable to me isn't to you and what's fashionable today isn't tomorrow. So how do I continue to be relevant? How do I continue to be, have a reason to exist? And so at the very beginning, I had very little money and I needed to get a business quickly because I knew I needed to get a return on that. And I also knew then, not much different than today, that 60, 70% of new startup companies don't make it the first year because they underestimate the amount of money they need and or the time it takes to have a return on what they have. So I knew I needed to move quickly. I named the company Kenneth Cole because you can usually get your own name registered in those days. And there wasn't these search engines so i could find out the universe of labels could be available and I, I and that could take a year or two and then first you find out it still doesn't work so i used my own name ran to italy knew i had better chance of getting credit from a shoe factory that needed business than from a bank american bank that didn't and i designed the cool line of lady shoes came back had to sell it and i had two choices in those days take a booth at one of those big fancy shoe shows and be one of literally thousands or i could take a room at the hilton hotel See, I love this. This is what I love. Go ahead. There was maybe three choices. One of thousands, take a room at the Hilton Hotel where there were 1,100 other companies, 34s, 30-some-odd companies per four, and um, still no identity, still at not an insignificant cost. Or I could have, if I was really fortunate, take a big fancy showroom in a fancy building within a two-block radius of the Hilton Hotel, and I neither didn't have the money or the means to do that. So I had a little bit of time, and on a whim, I was thinking, how about if I reached out to a friend in the trucking business and I said, if I could figure out how to park one of your 40-foot trailers across the street from the, this Hilton Hotel in front of one of those fancy buildings with all my fancy competitors, would you let me the truck? He said, sure, jerk. You can't park a bicycle in New York for 10 minutes on a truck for four days. And I said, if I could figure it out, will you lend it to me? He said, figure it out. I'll help you decorate it. So I called the mayor's office. It was Mayor Koch at the time. I said, excuse me, Mr. Mayor, how does one get permission to park a 40-foot truck on the corner of 6th Avenue and 56th Street? The answer is, sorry, son, they don't. This is New York. We give permission only in two circumstances. If you're a utility company servicing our streets, AT&T kind of, or if you are a production company shooting a full-length motion picture, because we're going through an I Love New York campaign, 
in the early 80s. I think we have been ever since. Right. So thank you, Mr. Mayor. Hung up the phone, went to the stationery store, changed my letterhead from Kenneth Go Inc. to Kenneth Go Productions Inc. Wow. Filed, it cost me $14. Filed for a permit the next morning for permission to shoot a full-length motion picture called The Birth of a Shoe Company. We opened for business on December 2nd. I had two New York policemen as my doorman, compliments of our fine mayor. And I had um, cleat lights, and I had stanchions, and I had um, a director. Wow. Sometimes there was film in his camera, sometimes there wasn't. Right. And we opened for business. We saw every buyer in New York. Um, they all waited online. And the more important they were, the longer I made them wait. And um, we uh, saw 40,000 pair of shoes in two and a half days. Um, Whoa. And the company to this day is still Kenneth Cole Productions. Oh, my God. We traded on the New York Stock Exchange for 10 years, um, and the symbol is KCP. And we keep the name because, A, today everything is a production at some level, but I also believe that the best solution, and it's a constant reminder, is rarely the most expensive. It's almost always the most creative. That is amazing. See, this? why were you deflecting? This story is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And all right, so... When you open the doors, first of all, so the truck on the outside to have Kenneth Cole Productions, like what drew people over to that truck? What did you do to stand out, to be different? Well, it's, it's Kenneth Cole Productions. And then quickly there were crowds and crowds draw crowds. And, and then people would tell each other. And then we're, I'm sitting out there and people would come and go to breakfast, go to dinner. And ordinarily these trade shows, you know, you're locked in your little room. And, and, but I was out there, you know, seeing everybody. So. I was able to award them in and we saw everybody. And um, at the end of the day, there was a phone booth on the corner and a lot of quarters. And I was calling the factory in Italy and I was changing production as every day, you know, a little, a little more red, less blue, higher heel, less lower heel. And to this day, uh, it's, it's still to this day, it's, we are a little scrappy and um, right. agile and hopefully relevant. And that's what the, business is and that's what's required to, to to exist as you start selling shoes more and more and more there were you were you kind of like oh my god this is really happening you know what i i wasn't because i was delusional and I, I i just knew it would happen and i i didn't realize that the risk reward you know how much was this potentially at stake and i figured if it was wrong i would correct course correct as hmm. i was doing it and if i wasn't doing it right had the mayor not supported this decision, right. I would have found another way to get my product out there. But I've just been, a, you know, just maybe a little delusional in that regard. But I have been relentless and um, with a relentless. clear sense of how to make an impact. Love that. And, I love that term, and, relentless. And how to distinguish yourself. Yeah, be different. Right? But, and, you know, I, people are so afraid to be different. I try to tell young guys coming in the sports industry right, all the time, hey, don't be a face in the crowd. Like, be the damn crowd. Be your own crowd. And hearing it from you is going to help a lot of other people also in, in, you know, just on their journey. And I think it's basically, and it's a lot of what you talk about too. It's, I mean, you know, be yourself because no one could do that better than you can. Right. And, and that's different in and of itself. So, you know, and, and everything's okay. And we all, everybody struggles. And, you know, I had this message. Um, I've always thought from the very beginning, long before social media, I tried to, in short sound bites, try to connect with people you know, in meaningful ways to the degree that I could. But I, I think we had that campaign once that, and it was a proud member of a dysfunctional family. And I, cause I came to realize everybody thinks their family's fucked up. Everybody thinks right. their family is, is dysfunctional. And, and we sold out every time we sold out and everybody was a proud member of the dysfunctional family. Right. And then at the coalition, interestingly, 
I'm not sure why I'm telling you this, but at the, at the <laughs> we we spoke to people who who openly struggled and had mental illness um, is something that part of how they define themselves and and their individual struggles. And that message wasn't so well embraced. And mm-hmm. I came to realize that you know if you feel you're the source of the dysfunction, you're not as proud of it, you know, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate. But the fact that other people are open to it, acknowledge. Yeah. That it exists, I think, is a big deal. It's I bond, I bond with that. I connect with it. I, hey, one of my saying is, I'm fucked up, but I'm good with my fucked upness, right? right. It's, it's, yeah. hey, hey, my parents took me to a therapist, my first therapist, when I was four or five. Like I was the fucked up one. Like, like, you know, what I mean, like, uh, hello, look in the mirror here a little bit. So I, yeah, I, I think, I think we're all part of some dysfunction in our families. But I, for me, when you say that, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm part of that crew. I don't have any shame. And I'm like, I connected with what you just said. I loved it. Yeah. So, you know, and so that is essentially, um, you know, our goal and our objective is to be real, be, be, uh, not to be, um, delusional and to understand and, and to understand where you are and where you want to be and then figure out and, the, and everything else is about the journey and how do we get there? How long after that you had the truck out there in, in Manhattan? How long after that until you opened your first door? On 56th Street and 6th Avenue is where the truck was. The uh, And I opened the store about a year and a half later. But I opened the showroom. My first season of business, I sold shoes to Bloomingdale's, to Saks for the Avenue, to Macy's, to everybody that we would have wanted to sell shoes to. We picked. Mm-hmm. And then a year later, I had my own shop at Bloomingdale's. I was very lucky early on. But I was working. I was all the time. And yeah. it was who I was. It was what I did. And it's how I found pleasure. And I wasn't married at the time, so I didn't have to make as many sacrifices right. personally. But, you know, but that is, the you know, we all ba- have to balance that all the time. We mm. figure out how to make it all work. And and so personal and, and professional, and then later on, Maddie Marion, you know, kind of community um, and philanthropy. And that became the third leg on the stool. And, and how do you balance that? And I made that also part of the business. And it's what we do. And it's how we allocate our resources. And it made everybody in the company work, I think, and feel so much better about working as hard as they were working because there's no other way. There's no shortcuts. Is there one shoe or clothing or article or anything that you've come out with that you're more proud of than, than others or have like a special meaning? Well, I don't know if there's any one specific shoe. Or a uh, line but, or... But shoes were my thing for a long time. Right. And I lived in the shoe business and it's arguably the most difficult business that exists. Why, why is that? Part of it is because, you know, no shoe fits everybody. I mean, a great fitting shoe only fits, a great fitting shoe that's a size eight only fits maybe half the people who are size eight. <laughs> even. And it doesn't fit any of the people who are seven and a half or nine or 10. Or, so, and you've got to own inventory in all these sizes and you got to make everything and it's got to be ready that, you know, the minute people want it and it's got to be available at the price they want. It's got to fit the way they need it. And, uh, and then it's got to fit not just today, but tomorrow. And it's, there's a lot of variables um, at play. And we're in a lot of businesses today. We're in 26 different licensed businesses today. Wow. And none of them are as complicated as to this day as the shoe business. Mm. But I love it in that regard. And uh, and just think every day how many people want to be in your shoes, Jay. I like that. Or I, I like to say we all walk this walk together. There you go. Right? Yeah. right before yeah. I let you go, I ask this to all my guests. Give me your unbreakable moment. Like the, the moment in your life that should have broken you, could have broken you. And because it didn't, you came through the other side of that tunnel and made you a lot stronger. So I woke up one morning and I realized that 
the stores were all, the whole retail business in the United States was uh, struggling. And then there was only a few retailers left. The Macy's was about to be acquired by federated department stores. And, and they were, or they were both in debt up to their eyes and some, and they already had no service on the floor. And it became clear to me that in order for them to justify and afford this, they had to change their business model, which meant they were going to have to get rid of the middleman and they were going to have to source product independently. And I realized, wait a second, I'm that middleman. So I, I went back to sleep, took some aspirin, went back to sleep, woke up and I said, wait a second, I don't have to be that middleman. If I open stores and I could become the destination, then I'm not the middleman anymore. They are. So I changed the business model and went wow. public in order to fund opening stores became a retailer and, and I built, got focused on building the brand and not just creating cool shoes hmm. for cool people. Love so that. I don't know. Is that an unbreakable one? Yeah, know, it is. Yeah. Cause it's it, absolutely. Cause it's, your business could have gone south fast or it could have thrived and it thrived. Yeah. yeah and that, uh, that's all the time in our business. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, I think how we've survived so long is that we've realistically looked in the mirror and just, acknowledged our vulnerability and, uh, and addressed it and, uh, personally as well too. And I, and how do I, I spend so much time working on some of the social impact stuff too. And business sometimes struggles as a result of it. And then I'll work, then I'll go back to working on the business and then the impact work struggles a little bit. So, uh, and then my golf game sucks because of both <laughs> of them. that's at least your problems, man. We're good. <laughs> well, brother, man, I appreciate that. This has been fantastic. I always love connecting with you. I always love spending time with you. Love to spend more time with you. You're a role model for many of us, Jay. So keep up what you do and keep that great spirit and energy and inspiring us because I uh, love you. Love that I could do this to help you. And That's what we do. We're all, we're, hey, you and I are walking this walk together. You can take that from me if you want. We're, we're in this shit. <laughs> Brother, again, I really appreciate you joining me today. This has just been fantastic. And we'll connect offline and hopefully link up this week before you uh, head back. Appreciate it. Love you, brother. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at first first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the black effect presents family therapy and i'm your host elliot connie Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.